Welcome to the Freeborn Shard Antares podcast, episode 21. My name's Tim Bancroft and I'm in Stonehenge. Later on, we'll have Gary Martin from Scotland and he'll be doing a quick rundown and unboxing of the MV2 and the M25, the new big resin vehicles. I have to say that a lot of these resin vehicles are absolutely brilliant and well worth taking a look at. The place that I'd actually go to see them, to be honest, uh, is apart from the marvellous shots on the store, etc., is Rocky's War Room on YouTube. There, Matt Rocky Schreiber has done a great job in unboxing them, showing what you've got, showing how to assembling them. He's even come up with any tips about anything that's a little bit awkward, and he goes over what he's done wrong. I have to recommend it. We also almost saw Justin Shearer. He was on a works visit over to the UK and I was really disappointed to have missed him. Unfortunately, he was mostly based in London and Scotland and he had a very tight schedule and we could not get together. It was unfortunate because he was a week after the Antares Day. And I think we'll probably mention a bit about the Antares Day later as well. Justin, really sorry to have missed you. It would be great to see you. If you ever come over here again, give us a heads up and we'll try and arrange it. I think I have to give an apology to everyone for not being able to release this for a few months. I've just been buried in work for getting stuff ready for the Antares Day, for uh, the Drone Scourge Returns, for writing up some of the fiction that actually came out on that with the Nexus to support it for writing up a lot of the articles there's something like 30 or 40 articles and everything else it's meant that I made myself rather ill I was still in a lot of pain but it meant my family suffered as a result so I'm having to take things easy obviously it meant that the Freeborn Shard had to go onto the back burner uh, I'm sorry but there's a reason and I'm hoping that I can get these out every few months and fit them back into my pain management routine so I can actually live my life normally again. First off though, I think it's probably worth just feeding back what happened on the Antares day. The Antares day for 2018 was based around a faction league. It was all called the Taking of Tascar. It used a lot of the new rules from the Drone Scourge supplements and put them into different settings. It had three, I think, of the scenarios directly from the new supplement and the rest were actually derived from it in one way or another. So we had an umber on board a spaceship, one inside an arcology, we had another one inside a ice research base and we had some others outside that involved hunting down the Virai who are the stars or I should say the bad guys in the new supplement or actually destroying some important buildings or pylons which is all part of the new breaching rules in the supplement. In addition to the players who turned up we had a few others who came around and just popped by to see what was going on and to have a few games and to say hello to everybody or to listen to Rick. Rick was there and him, me and Andre from the studio judged the painting competition and the players also judged the best painted army competition and also voted for... Uh, sort of like a sportsmanship award. It's a mixture of the player who's the best to play against in terms of 
their attitude, their approach to the game, the army they had, and everything else. I have to say that it was really great to see everyone enjoying themselves. The attitude that was shown, which is brilliant, again, and I keep seeing this in Antares tournaments and events, the attitude which people bring is wonderful. It's so positive, it's to have a good time, which is lovely. And for me, seeing all that, it, it makes everything worthwhile. We had players from Germany, Canada, and the Virai popped down from Glasgow. It was really great. Gary Martin painted one of the pre-release armies for us and volunteered to actually turn up and see what he could do with it on the day, which he did. Lovely seeing that on the table. We also had someone from Spain who are actually living over here at the moment. So we had people from all over the place. What is a faction league? Basically, it's a format in which the scores from each player are totaled and weighted to make a final score for each faction. So it's not the individuals who win, it's the faction who wins. And then you can determine what happens in a campaign setting from that. So you could have multiple ones of these strung together to make something really different. What it does is that it keeps some of the competitive element in it, but it removes the head-on-head -head focus, which so many people struggle with. What it means is you can actually put a whole set of predominantly narrative scenarios into an event and not worry about it so much because you haven't got the pressure as a designer or anybody else of trying to put up some matched tournament scenarios. So let's start with the individual winners and we can go back to the faction league and the details of each scenario and the tables later. The player's choice went to George, George Williams, who lost a few of his games, but had such a great attitude. It was obviously noted by everybody who voted for him. Again, this just epitomises the whole approach we have to Antares, and it's really great to see. Well done, George. The individual painting competition, which is to one side, went to Ruben Catalan with his really well-painted Kylekatastrin, really nice, really sharp, really nicely edged. And the best painted army in use went to Ian Ackerman. We've seen his 66th Isaurian Nomads before, but on the table, en masse, they look absolutely superb and it's not surprising that he was voted in as well. Congratulations to all three of you. Frankly, really well deserved. We also had a few other really noteworthy entries to the painting competition. Ian Ackerman again put in a Togra, uh, which was showcased in an article on the Nexus. Gary Martin showcased it his Algren Avenger, and that's hardly surprising. We've seen that before, it's really superb. But we have to note John Harrington's Gar Outcast Goes Surfing which didn't win, but made everybody laugh. There is a photograph of that up on the Nexus at gatesofantares.com, Antares Day 2018. I think we better draw a veil over that because it's a Gar outcast enjoying himself far too much. Photos of a lot of the games are actually up on the Antares Day article on the Nexus. The scenarios themselves are based all over Tescar. The planet itself is undergoing one of its frequent ice ages and it's got a whole range of climate zones ranging from very hard Arctic conditions to temperate woodland at the equator. And on the day what we had was a map 
showing for each table where it was located, and a little bit of background or whatever, as well as the scenario. Two of the tables were inside ancient ruined archaeologies, two were within an ice-bound research base, there were several on tundra and ice fields, whilst the rest were within the starships, four within the wreck of a ancient orbital and four others were based within the vast wreck of the city of exile which i think we'll mention later but it's a, a city liner or a very old ancient wreck of a city liner i should say about 25 kilometers long by five kilometers in diameter we had a real mix of factions from aldrin come aldrin freeborn or marek perhaps we had Boromite, Concord, Gar Empire, Gar Exile. We had a few people playing the Gar Exiles for us, which was really lovely. Thank you, Jamie. And thank you, John. There was Gar Rebel, Isaurian. And we had one person playing Privateers from the Drone Scourge book. That was Adam, thanks. And of course, as I mentioned, we had Gary, who was playing the Virai Drone Scourge. So all of this is great fun. But what can we actually say about the winners, which was the winning faction. In terms of raw faction points, the Concord came top with 53, then Rebels, Gar Rebels, and then Gar Exiles. Uh, the Gar Exiles on about 31. And then the rest came down behind it. However, a Intel calculated efficiency rating, which takes into account wins and losses, not just the actual points scored in each game as well, what you get is that the Gar Exiles came out as top with the Gar Rebels very, very close behind and the Boromites, unsurprising given that they were fighting in their native lands, doing really quite well behind that. All the others were sort of like clustered around an average rating. Unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately for the Concord, Gygaleus saw these figures and didn't think much of them. So she actually had a look at how successful the individual factions were against each other. And as soon as that was taken into account, she found that the Isaurians hadn't done very well. Given that this is a Concord calculation, I'm not too surprised. However, Drone Scourge, Privateers, Algren and everybody else actually ended up with quite an average score against each other. In all the conflicts that they'd taken part of, they'd actually won some and lost some. So it's a fairly balanced view. The people who had come out on top were the Gar Rebels, the Gar Exiles and the Boromites. Now, simple analysis suggested that the Exiles and the Boromites were actually fighting in their home ground. They were fighting inside our colleges. They were fighting inside starships where their close combat capabilities were going to do very, very well. But what was worrying from her perspective is that Fartok Scar Rebels also did very well. In fact, when you take out the fact that they were not fighting in their home ground, the Rebels did extraordinarily well at least a point ahead of anybody else. The real worry for Gygaleus was that the Virai had not only done better than expected, but they'd been able to go to ground or actually flee the system, probably as stowaways aboard an Isaurian vessel. Whilst everybody else was fighting amongst themselves, the Virai Drone Scourge had done what they had always done, and that was hidden themselves away somewhere on the weakest enemy's starships. It looks like the Isaurians are going to have to cope with a rather serious infestation of the Virai Drone Scourge.
I think it's best we now catch up with Gary's Vehicle Reviews. Hi guys, before we get started this month's unboxing, I just want to let you know about a small change. I'm going to start taking pictures of the parts for all these models and putting them in an article on the Nexus. So if you have a look at www.gatesventaris.com and have a look for the tag unboxing, hopefully there should be a nice article to go with this podcast uh, which shows you all the parts and close-ups of the models that I'm talking about. Okay, thanks again. On to the models. So next up we've got the MV2 Isorian Transport Drone. Um, like I said at the start of this, Warlord has been great at finishing out all the Mod 2 vehicles for the range. Um, last month Tim talked about the MV5 Combat Drone for the Isorians and this month I've got the Transport Drone to look at. So hang on, we'll just open the box and see what we get. So inside, inside the box there's two bubble wrap bags of parts and a, the flying stand you get with all the large drones. So we'll open up the first bag and in that we've got the body for the drone and a small bag with your spotter drone, flight stand and a 25mm base. In the second bag, let's get that open, we've got the oh, Warlord instructions for all resin kits. And Hang on, I'll just put out the parts here. There are two side arms for the model, a tail, which looks like a hatch, and the plasma light support in resin. Uh, quite surprising to see there's actually, apart from your sport drone, there's no metal parts with this. It is a an entirely resin model. So the sculpt the model is really clear and crisp, uh, a lot of organic detail on it, like vents and parts which could be eyes looking out at you. Uh, the body itself's got enough bulk to make it look fairly similar to the T7 transport, so um, it definitely looks in line with the other models. Uh, the front hatch, uh, I can't really fit onto the model just now because a lot of the vents from the casting come out through the bit where that's attached to. Which is a great idea because that, that any damage that you may do if taking cutting these vents and bits of excess resin away will be hidden when you add the front hatch to it. The front hatch design looks really good. It looks very similar to the Isorian Face Trooper helmet. Um, same kind of design. So that looks like it will fit on quite nicely there. Uh, probably, I think the, it looks like the best way to put the model together is there's a tail section which fits just under the bottom of the hull at the back. And again, I'm just holding these parts to kind of dry fit together and they go together really well. I said the two arm sections I have are actually, they're actually more part of the sides of the body. Uh, I can now see there's kind of slight recessed area uh, along each side of it and the underside where these two arms can fit on. If you hang on, I'm just going to dry fit them again. Again, Without even clearing any resin parts off, they fit together really well. And this adds a little bit more bulk to the model. Um, so let's try the other one. Again, these have got square pegs on them which attach to the tailpiece and they go right snug against the body of the drone itself, which actually makes it look even bigger. Um, 
so great job uh, again very easy kit to put together not a lot of resin needing cleared the turret on it is just a small uh, plasma light support turret uh, again there's a small peg off the bottom of that which fits into the body of the drone uh, again very easy for you to draw that out and add a magnet so overall a great looking transport model again really love the whole design aesthetic we've got with the isorians and the organic fuel of everything so it, it fits into that it does look like it's got the bulk it needs for a transport uh, overall a really nice kit and a real nice addition to the isorian range And finally to about the first of the Mod 3 vehicles that Warlords released with the C3M25 Heavy Combat Drone which is of course usable by the C3 and the Freeborn. And I'll just open the box. So inside we've got two bags of parts and a flight stand. I'll just open the first bag now. So it contains the engine, the main drone body and a bag of metal parts which we'll get back to it. The second bag contains hang on, two wings plus the turret. Overall the sculpt is very nice, very crisp as you'd expect from Warlord, particularly with the C3 range, it's a very sleek looking model. Uh, the drone looks again the same design principle you've had all the way through all the other C3 models but this one really does look heavily armoured and a lot more bulky compared to the other C3 drones. I've got one of the plastic ones beside me just now just for comparison and the main body itself for the M25 is the same length as one of the old uh, plastic drones um, and then on top of that you've got an engine to attach onto the back of it which is about the same size as the engine in the middle of the old drone. Uh, the engine itself just goes onto the back, there's a small peg that slips in and again very easily dry fits together just now without any resin being cleared away so overall you're probably talking another 20% onto the length of the model. Um, so it's a big drone compared to the existing C3 heavy drones. Next we have two wings which attach onto the body. Um, there's a small, to be, like I said, there's two pylons that these attach on with. The front one has a small peg which locates in the top of the body just in front of where the turret is and the other one goes at the rear where the engines attach. Again just dry fitting these parts here and they fit really well. Really easy to put in so just a little bit of super glue and that will be them away. Uh, with the wings attached the, let me just hold the parts together here. The model is probably slightly wider than the existing combat drones, but definitely a lot longer. I said that the rear of the model and on the two wings there's kind of th standard C3 engines, which are all about the same size as the medium, sorry, the light combat drones that you get with the plastic C3 Trooper Sprue. So. Uh, hopefully this will give you an idea of the, just the size and the bulk of the model. But again, it looks a large, big, bulky model, but 
it's large and bulky because it's heavily armoured. It's usual C3. There doesn't look like any waste. The model's not bigger than it needs to be um, on the battlefield. It's just enough to make it look like this is a Res 15 vehicle compared to the rest of them. Um, so really nicely designed. Um, the, the turret, again, just fits a small peg onto the top of the model. With the, it's actually got the, all the vents from the casting or the underside of that. So again, when you clear these off, it should leave no sign of any damage. Uh, I'm just going to open up the bag with the lead parts just now and see what we get there. So you've got your spotter metal spotter drone and the flight stand and base for that. You've got a small plasma light support turret which goes on top of the resin turret. This is very similar to the ones that you get on the other plastic combat drones. And then you've got the plasma bombard and compression bombard. Uh, these fit very easily into the front of the turret. I'm just dry fitting them in just now. Uh, and again, there's plenty of metal and resin there for you to drill and attach a magnet. So these will be very easy to switch back and forward. Um, so overall, really nice kit. Again, it's a heavy, it's a bulky, it is a heavy combat drone. It looks a lot more heavily armoured than existing drones but again it's not a big massive thing that would require to have crew inside it and all the things that it's basically C3 drones don't need so it's a good continuation of the C3 range and a great addition to the range I'm happy to see is moving into the Mod 3 vehicles. So again thanks for listening I hope you've enjoyed this and like I said there should be some articles up on the Nexus with pictures of the parts. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Freeborn Shard with Tim Bancroft and Gary Martin. Music is by Big Nick and used with permission. Have fun.